Good evening. Thank you for joining us for our Wednesday evening talk. Um, thought I'd wait just a minute extra to let you all know Sokazan's doing very well. He had a heart catheterization uh, this morning afternoon, and the doctor gave him the all clear. Um, but they are just keeping him overnight for observation. So he's doing well, but uh, he's asked me to fill in for tonight's Dharma talk. And you can, uh, I feel like you probably have a similar feeling as I, like, what's happening? Should I leave? <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this actually has a precedent, but it's been about nine years that the last time I think I gave a Wednesday talk, Sokazan, I was still using the refuge name Jiyun that he had given me, which I think very few of you have ever heard. That was before I'd received Jukai. So it's really rare for Sokazan to miss anything. He's, he's got to be, well, he's in a hospital. I, th I think um, I think he could do it. I actually know he could do it. Just maybe the background would be a little distracting with the nurses coming and going. So. I appreciate you being here, and uh, I look forward to not seeing everyone leave before I <laughs> finish. But in talking to Sokazan, he asked me if there was anything in particular I would like to talk about. And um, the topic that came to mind was talking about uh, practice forms and the idea of forms. It's a word that we use a lot here at Soka Koji, practicing the forms or making it to the forms, letting people know when you're not in the forms. Um, but it, it has several different meanings. And so for, for any one of us, it's, it's something to me that you can be defining with, with boundaries. Meditation has a form. We start with a bell, we practice meditation, we end with a bell. Uh, Almost everyone here, if not all of you, have had Dokusan or an interview with Sokazan. So you bow to Sokazan, you ask your questions, you bow at the end. So you're setting up a container. Something that cannot be overemphasized is the teachings of observing forms. That there's so many forms in our life that are so incredibly rigid that we're almost conditioned that anytime we relate to forms to take on that similar rigid attitude. And one of my early experiences with that was in meeting Sokazan um, 10 or 12 years ago, and he taught me Shikantaza. He said, sit down, face the wall, and just observe what continues to move. And I remember asking him several times, I said, what do you mean by just observe? And his response was, just observe. What does that mean? just observe. And at the time, you know, perhaps it was a bit frustrating because I so desperately wanted the reference point that I was used to when it comes to forms to let me know I'm very much about accomplishing things, to know that I was accomplishing my meditation. And he didn't really give me that aspect to sink my teeth into, but to continue to return to this idea of just observe that whatever shows up, regardless of how it feels, regardless of what you think about it, that is precisely where our attention needs to be put. And I also want to say, with anything I say about <laughs> forms tonight, it's, it's going to miss the mark. Because it is a situational um, practice. That when we look at the forms, anything you, you say or anything you think, oh, this is the form, we have to have the willingness for that to move. There has to be some breathability with our forms. 
So an aspect of that that I thought would be helpful to talk about is is the very nature of this community that we call Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. And sometimes we get pushback on our forms because they're not traditional or sometimes we're not pronouncing things correctly. And when Sokuzan established this order, the Order of Immediate Light last November, um, to me, the way that showed up and the way that we are encouraged to relate to forms is inherent in that establishment of the order of immediate light, that we pay respect to the lineages that uh, have arose here, the Kagyu lineage, the Soto Zen lineage, and we have this profound synthesized teaching or um, the coming together of many teachings in the form of Sokuzan. So we're paying respect to those lineages as the order of immediate light, but we're also saying that we are going to do this in a particular way, that we are the order of immediate light. So when someone from Soto Shu or someone says, this isn't how the Zen people should be doing it, that's fine. This is the order of immediate light. And I just want to really emphasize that aspect of, of observing, observing, observing that Sokazan is harping on, not harping on. <laughs> but pointing at constantly that this is a practice to be observed through our intelligence. And any time that pushback begins to show up, any time that correction, any time the presumption that couldn't it be, shouldn't it be, can't I just, that the awareness needs to be on that impulse. It's not a problem that it's arising, but the awareness needs to be very deep about what that is before we go into that situation and begin to meddle. And how do you know when you should be meddling with forms? You probably shouldn't. <laughs> Maybe spend a year, five years or 10 years practicing that form, bringing the questions to the teacher. But I would be very um, tentative to make any modifications based on what our, our self-centeredness, our preferences, our ideas about what practice is, how practice should arise and how it should feel. Those kind of modifications, while temporarily they might feel good, oh, I've changed my practice a little bit and I feel like I'm really getting into the swing of things, that might provide some temporary relief. But it, it really just pushes that, I'm going to continue to spin, I'm going to continue to loop around and make sure that my ego feels good and then I'm going to go into my practice, but then I want to back out so that the ego feels good. And it's when the form starts to feel a little bit abrasive that we actually begin to see, we have an opportunity to begin to look at the way in which our self-centeredness so desperately wants to navigate or um, lead or guide our practice. And I know when I say that, it's the other end we need to touch on, which is the extreme aspect of that, which is fundamentalism, where we start to get this mentality of, well, I'm, I'm starting to feel the heat, so I've got to push myself as hard as I can into it. And that's also not the case. And as Sokazan says, it's situational. So when we relate to forms, the form of meditation, the form of relating to a teacher, the form of book study, the form of relating to a sangha, just observe. In as far as we're able to, we, we practice the form as it's presented to us. We endeavor to give as much attention to that we endeavor to give our teacher the benefit of the doubt as the one who's directing these forms, um, inviting us to practice these forms. 
but we don't want to fall into either extreme of I'm going to do this my way because I think I know better mm -hmm. or I'm going to torture myself until I completely burn out. And it's hard to see. And I, I think that's why the repetition is emphasized over and over and over again. Continue to come back. You are not going to understand this practice after sitting for a week or a year or five years or perhaps decades. That it is something we have to return to over and over again. And the way in which it begins to clarify is not conceptual. It doesn't clarify in the sense of we begin to have a better feel of like, I understand this so much I can explain what it is precisely. If there's any sort of clarity, it shows up in not struggling with what arises in the context of that form. It's hard to, to remember or to acknowledge when Sokazan says you don't have to get rid of anything. It, it's so counterintuitive. You don't have to get rid of anything. And something we were talking about, there's a book study on Tuesday morning, and we used to call it the Europe book study, but I think it's the international book study. It's, it's, there's several continents joining now. And um, occasionally and situationally, Sokozan will say, how do you think I feel? And I had a short interview with him this week, and I told him, I said, when you first started saying that, it was the most frustrating thing I think I'd ever heard from you. I just felt like, Oh, I'm having a hard time. Just be nice to me. <laughs> and he was being nice to me. Because in spite of what is showing up as far as preferences, we still have to endeavor to function. And that's what the Bodhisattva path is. Is that in spite of everything that arises, we're still on the path. We still have to endeavor to receive it. It's okay to watch a movie. It's okay to pop some popcorn and relax. Um, but we're not going to find that ultimate palliative of now nothing ever bothers me. So just coming back to that idea of forms and encouraging us to use the forms as an opportunity to look at the mind. The forms are not a means to producing something. The forms aren't like, oh, if you do these forms, this will be the result. The forms are there for us to begin to look at our own minds. Um, to sit in front of the teacher and see the way in which uh, we want something different. To sit down in meditation and think that we're having a good meditation or a bad meditation. That aspect of the mind that's so desperate for a reference point to reassure itself. So are there any questions at this point? Shoto. Um, if we see uh, a form that we're trying to observe, like block sitting or something, and we notice how we can't do it the way the form is prescribed, what's the importance of not changing the form? How is the form prescribed? Um, how do you understand block sitting? Um, Shadow bowing. I think what I was saying with that is to strike the bell and the ideal um, to sit there for four hours and that just doesn't happen. <laughs> Has Sokazan never told you to do that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The, the tendency for the self-centeredness to completely usurp the forms. Sokazan has been nothing but spacious with the forms in my experience. 
So block sitting is sit down, strike the bell, see what moves. And that may be, as he said, leaving the zendo. It may be being gone for three hours and 59 minutes. And then you come back and you strike the bell at the end of the four hours. And that's why we have to continue to do this over and over and over again. I remember the first time I blocked sat and the tremendous accomplishment I felt only to eventually realize I was going to have to do that for the rest of my life. And it was like, oh, one down, 10,000 to go. And so I feel very lucky that Sokazan emphasizes it that way because if it weren't for that, so many of us would not be able to practice because we can't fit into that mold, which is not helpful of a good meditator, a good monk, a good practitioner. So we, we do, we endeavor to sit there and you, and you sit down and you hold still and you hold still as long as you can and then something hurts and so you move postures and then you sit there and you hold still as long as you can. So the intention is there to sit for four hours. But it's not um, like you fail when you get up. And I, I think that that's something to, can, to just remember. This is not a practice of four hours. This is a practice, as Sokazan said, he did this for 30 or 35 years before he began teaching. So relate to the forms as your teacher encourages, which is through your awareness. Um, and we can help each other with that remind each other it's, it's if you need to move you move a little bit and I'm sure you've had times too where by some miracle you just sit there for four hours you're not particularly in a better place after that four hours than the one that you had to get up and and it's because of that emphasis on awareness not accomplishment um, I don't know if he's on here I'm just gonna check before I say bad things about him <laughs> I'm not really. Um, Sokozan's son, Takudo, is here staying with us. And if you've not had the pleasure of hearing him chant, he's, it's incredible. He's a musician, and Sokozan tells stories of him playing the guitar and singing from a very young age. And if you hear him chant, it's like, oh, I'd, I'd listen to that on recording in my car. It's, it's beautiful. If we had to chant the way Takudo chants, which is the right way, um, I think we would be out of doans. I don't think anyone could do that. So what is it that we're doing? We're training the mind by be, being given a form and practicing it with as much intention as we can, but as much space to fail in it as well. And that's, again, for those of you that have practiced in communities where it's not like that, you, you know how suffocating that can be, that there's such an emphasis on, on performance and attainment and you don't have any uh, room to look at your mind because you're so busy trying to accomplish the form. You're trying to accomplish meditation. You're trying to accomplish um, being a student. Shoka. Shokabang. When Sokazan says you don't have to get rid of anything, how do we not get rid of the self-centeredness that usurps the forms while emphasizing awareness. That's why the form is there to show us that, that the forms are there to actually support us and in, in seeing the way the self-centeredness tries to take hold of something. 
and where it's in a context where it can't get those footholds. Um, how many times has Sokazan given you a, a jab or me or any one of us when we start to really buy into our, our belief around what is happening? So in a sense, you, you have to have the form in order to see the self-centeredness. Um, that's why we have Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Just like giving the, the other residents, the other Sangha members, the benefit of the doubt when it becomes abrasive to relate to one another. But that's not something to, to resolve. That's an opportunity to look at what demands are you putting on the situation? What expectations or standards are you setting for what's occurring around you? And it's not about um, becoming a martyr, but it is an opportunity to look at that without coming to a conclusion, it seems. Senshu? Senshu bowing. Will awareness help clarify when we need to get up um, or not get up and leave within a form bowing? It's a really good question, and I, I don't know that it will clarify in the sense that you'll feel relatively confident, like, yes, I feel very confident that I'm leaving the form right now, or I feel very confident in staying here. Um, it's about the, the, the intention and about the observing of that. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think I have a good answer to that other than to say don't look for a stamp of approval. If you're getting 100%, like, I feel... Um, uh, really reassured of my leaving the form as a story. Look at that. Um, sometimes we get up for incredibly, what we would say, um, frivolous reasons, but that's still to be observed. That's, that's not incorrect. Um, Sokazan's used this example before, and I've, I've used it as an excuse before, if I've got laundry to do. When, when I was living here by myself, I don't know how many of the afternoon sits I actually got through without finding some little chore to do. It was very difficult, but that was so important to see. It was much more important than had I been able to um, force my way through every single afternoon set. Jake? Jake Bowing, how does chanting support awareness, Bowing? To me, uh, in the way I've heard it talked about, it's just another way to, to show the mind. Um, I don't think it can be broken down particularly into a conceptual uh, framework, but I can say after having chanted morning service thousands of times, there's something very strong that, that's very rooting in it. And it is not... Um, I don't know. It's, it's, that, it's that body, speech, mind connection. And as Sogzan says, it's not important to understand what you're chanting, but to do it. It's not so much the, the content of the chanting, but the activity of the chanting. The other aspect of this, which is a little conceptual, at least at first, is the connection to the lineage. Um, I think that a lot of uh, places overlook how... Uh, foundational having a connection to a lineage is to receive the teachings from a living teacher who received it from a living teacher 
these forms we're receiving from living teachers hundreds of years back, they have been changed over the years, but they've been changed based on the insight of a teacher to support the people practicing them. And I think that's been a really good lesson is um, we don't need to change the forms based on logic. It's really difficult. I, I've tried to do that a few times with so because then it doesn't work. It doesn't have to make sense. So think about that when you're thinking of how you think the form should be occurring, particularly chanting. Well, it'd be better if we just chanted in English. Um, well, if we if we all could just learn hiragana, then we could pronounce the Japanese perfectly, and then we would be doing true chanting. So this idea that if we do it right, it's better. No, the best thing we can do is receive the forms from the teacher and come back to them over and over and over again, connect into those teachings, connect into that practice. Junshu. Junshu bowing. It looks like my relationship to forms is a constant struggle. Um, I don't like the forms, and then when they change, I don't like that they've changed. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I guess I have a couple of questions around that. Um, what is that? What about my mind is that showing me? Your self-centeredness. <laughs> Did that hurt? Yeah, it sucks. Forms are not comfortable. Any, any preference that's showing up, any, any texture, any contrast, it's, it's just that. It's texture, it's contrast, but we label, we, we ascribe meaning to it, and then the ego goes off on it. We say when a form changes, here's all the reasons it shouldn't change. Here's all the reason that this is a bad thing. As if you know how to, if you knew how to attain enlightenment, you would have done it by now. <laughs> And I think that's why we need to really emphasize that, that connection to the teacher. If you've made a, a formal connection to the teacher, um, at some point it's a good idea to do what they say. But that's why you take time and you really discern whether that relationship is the direction you want to go. So the forms are constantly showing us our own, our own preferences. Even when you think that you're, you're getting really good at the forms or you really like a form, it's an opportunity to just look at the mind. Mm -hmm. Bowing. Is there Is there a way to um, stop fighting with myself or with the forms so much? Maybe. But if you were to accomplish that, I guess what does that give you? It gives you some relative comfort. I think we're doing the best we can with the forms. I think we do that when we're transparent with the teacher, with what's occurring, and that we're willing to step into that discomfort. It, it can be as simple as the practice of meditation, um, just keeping some touchstone there. 
even if it's just one minute or two minutes of sitting down in Shikantaza uh, and having a strong container. So Kazan always says, start with a sound, end with a sound. Start with the bell, end with the bell. So similarly, in as far as you're able to, practicing the forms and bringing that to the teacher, the areas where you're struggling, the areas where you're fighting, and it seems that in as far as you can, bringing that to the teacher doesn't mean looking for a conversation about it necessarily, but having enough curiosity to ask for the teachings in that context. Um, it can be really easy, especially when a form really charges us or we see something that is so abrasive or relatively so out of place to sit in front of the teacher and endeavor to steer the teacher to understand what you're saying so that they can resolve their mistakes instead of saying this is my teacher and in as far as i can i am asking for help to understand this better not assert anything or come to a conclusion but that inspiration to actually have an understanding of what is arising so it, it just takes time and a lot of it and doing the forms a lot and sitting down in front of the teacher as much as we're able to. Sitting in front of his Sangha, their Sangha, as much as we're able to. Shodo. Shodo, how do we bring something to the teacher that doesn't, um, doesn't show up when we're actually in front of them in Dokusan? Like you can't tell them about it, something that happened in a different time or? Yeah, or um, what I find is something's really charged like days before, but when I get in front of Sokozan, it just vanishes. That's that's not a problem because Sokozan, in uh, my experience, is not a, a problem solver in the sense of he's not just a resource to make us feel better, that that exposure in and of itself, to me, that is the teaching. So I don't think that it's important that we are able to articulate everything perfectly to the teacher or that it shows up in front of the teacher. Um, I was reading something recently about um, Dilgo Kyanse Rinpoche and one of his students said just seeing him was the entirety of the teachings. And uh, I often feel that way about Sokazan, that to, to just sit in front of him is the teaching. but because I want to have resolution, I fill up that space with my commentary and my complaints and my questions, which I, which I should a little bit. Otherwise, I'm trying to just be a great student who just absorbs the perfect teaching of the teacher. So it's not just a pragmatic exchange with the teacher. Sit down and, and be in their presence, articulate what you can and receive whatever is, is provided by the teacher. What does it mean to function off the cushion when there is that emphasis on performance if the intention is to observe and have that willingness to fail? You mean like in a job? You should do your job. <laughs> There's a pragmatic aspect to it too, it seems. It seems like you've been doing a pretty good job. And I just wouldn't encourage, and I don't think I've been encouraged ever, 
I focus on the strategize too much. So you you are functioning. You just not to speak for you, but most of us are looking for a way to function more efficiently or more productively or more in line with this or that. And I would just be very tentative to be modifying anything that's arising that, yes, we may be spinning in samsara, but to go to war with that is more spinning in samsara. So if the teacher says to do something, the teacher says, yes, interview and take this job, you, you might do that. But if they're not giving you post-meditation practice, I wouldn't um, start cranking things up. Is the intention still to observe off the cushion? I think so, but it's not the same container as sitting meditation. Um, one of the really frustrating things to hear, and I've heard it from a few people this last week, is, and we, I think we heard it the other night on Sokazan's Dharma talk, is like, oh, I'm always meditating. You can't say that. <laughs> if you're saying that, you probably don't need to be on here. Um, so yes, you're endeavoring to observe off the cushion, but you're also just kind of functioning. I think one time Sokazan said, you know, sit down, get to the cushion and meditate, and after that, let it rip. I think that was his words, let it rip. Um, there's already enough of a container, especially living in the monastery. There's, you're never outside of that container. You're never outside of that form. Um, so there's a lot of support there, and I wouldn't put any added stress on it if you can. Unless Sokasan tells you differently, then do what he says. The <laughs> <laughs> questions on Zoom? Yeah, Kyokudo. Kyokudo bowing. I, I've noticed that um, I don't get much correction on forms. So should I be asking I'm doing this correctly, or should I be getting feedback on that? Following? Well, if you're bringing it up, I'm, I'd be happy to give you feedback on it. <laughs> <laughs> if you were functioning, you know, in, outside of the form in a way that was disruptive, somebody certainly would have said something. But the um, again, that spaciousness to the forms that Sokazan seems to be able to create allows all of us to function within the context of that practice without being corrected constantly. You know, once a year or twice a year, the practice residents will get together and we'll go back through the forms and we'll tighten things up here and there. But outside of those couple of times of year, um, there's really just the space to practice. So. You're always welcome to ask for feedback, um, but you aren't doing anything that's so disruptive that we need to have a, a intervention. Sokaran. Sokaran bowing. Is there a way to imitate a form and miss the heart of the teaching bowing? I think so. Um, the One of the things Sokzan used to say a lot was that the forms are a practice, not a performance. And so if we forget that practice aspect of it, we do kind of abandon the teachings because we're trying to accomplish the forms. 
But as I said at the beginning of the talk, it's difficult to say that because it may be that we have to go into that a little bit in order to see the forms and not just go into it a little bit, but every single one of us has that little bit of self-consciousness when we're practicing being the chant leader, the doan, or the, the doshi who is the, the um, monk or resident who makes offerings to the altar. So there's a self-consciousness about that, that inherent drive to not look foolish. Um, but just continuing to remember that that's a, that's a practice. As Sokazan says, it's like when you, you bump something or knock something over, that, that impulse, oops, it's like that's the little self-centeredness showing up, like, I don't want to be a fool. Junchu. There's a question from Isaac Liam. What kind of attitude does observing take? I, I don't know if it, it has an attitude. It observes the attitude. <laughs> the intention to see, the intention to receive. And so Kazan again emphasizes that word intention. Um, it's intention, not accomplishment. So if you sit down and meditate and you intend to see what is occurring, you may have any type of attitude. You might be in a great mood. You might feel really well. You might feel depressed or, or just scrambled. So I don't know that observing has an inherent attitude so much as an intention to um, receive without particular evaluation. What is, how do we observe a form? What is a form? <laughs> In this context, it's, it's, it's containers we're using to train our mind. Um, if we were to look at the four, the five skandhas, uh, form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness, form is, is that which seems to have substance, even a thought form, something that's being defined as as an individual or as a as having thingness um, so i think the inspiration for the talk was to look at practice forms like meditation uh, sangha student teacher relationship mm -hmm. but really anything we interact with has an aspect of a form if, if, it, if there's an interaction then there's form How do we relate to the ambiguity in a form? That's, that's very intentional. <laughs> the ambiguity is what shows us the grasping, the, the drive to have stability. When you was talking about an open heart, um, impermanence, and I think impermanence isn't just the, um, the, the entropy, something dissolving, it's you can't even find the borders when you start to look very closely at it. So, so Kazan says over and over, don't, don't abandon that confusion. Don't, don't abandon the confusion for wanting to know what it is. So to, in as far as you can, stay in that confusion, stay in that discomfort. So if we can't find the borders, then what is the form? It's not finding the borders. Whatever's showing up. Whatever is showing up, that's it. 
It's disappointing. Jeez, I'm right. Is there a way to go into what's showing up? Is that extra? I think the going into it is just watching what's there. If the sinking down, if, if you start to go down into it naturally, that's great. But if you start to get, if it starts to solidify, then that's what you're observing. So just being careful with um, the motivation of like, oh, if I could just see this more clearly, that there would be some sort of result that would be helpful. So I think looking at it as it's there. I really like the words that Sokazan uses of like texture and contrast. You're just noticing the texture. You're noticing the contrast. Um, you don't need to ascribe the value to it. Undo. Undobang, is there a form around contemplation? So taking the observation and um, really looking at it deeper. I can just say what Sokazan has said, and that's, you know, if there's something you want to contemplate, um, I've heard him say, like, write it down on a note card. And if you're going to meditate for an hour, look at it for 10 minutes. And that ratio, may, maybe it's two hours and look at it for 10 minutes. But so I think there's a little room for that. He does not overly emphasize that. Um, but I think he has given people, you know, yes, you could look at that phrase. You could look at that concept, but not to overindulge and, and let that be like the entirety of the practice. And the other thing I would say, it's important that we do that with the teacher. Again, if you're a student that we're not going in and modifying practice or adding things to our practice based on our preferences, but that we're including the teacher and um, receiving if they say, no, I don't want you doing that. Or, yes, you could do a little bit of that. And here's how I would do that. You said... Um that whatever arises is precisely what we need to look at. Um, so there seems to be something where you observe that, but then how long do you really look at that or pay attention to that? I don't, I don't know how much choice you have in that. And that's just speaking from when I sit down to meditate, because the second I think I've singled something out, it's changing already and it's becoming something else and the observer is shifting. So I, you're not really going to be able to pin it down. So when we say, how long should I look at that? Look at the belief that you kind of have a say-so in, in whether it stays or goes. And we might, as Sokazan says, you might have a little bit of say-so, like he often picks up his coffee mug. Um, but for me, those that area is, is profoundly slippery and it, it's helpful to look at that which is trying to get a hold of the slipperiness more so than modifying the thoughts in a way that's more manageable. Devon, the same thing for off the cushion, um, Could you say the question again? So whatever arises is precisely what we need to look at, even off the cushion. Yes, but it can't become... Uh, it can't become something where like you're reassuring yourself that I'm looking at precisely this. I think that it's the encouragement to be with what's showing up. Like when any one of us is going through a particularly difficult time, so because I may say that, that that needs to show up, that needs to show up. And you can't just change your attitude and be like, well, that needs to show up, so I'm okay with it now. It's like, 
okay, if that needs to show up, I'm going to do my best to receive that. And that may be my struggling with that negativity. It may be my, uh, what I am thinking is surrender to that negativity. Um, so yes, it's about awareness, but it's not an awareness that you can accomplish. Unyo. Unyo bowing. Um, earlier, I, you said something uh, that we can't or won't understand this practice. I, I, those are the only four words I wrote down. So um, <laughs> if you can, if we can't, if we won't understand this practice, then what's the benefit? I think um, when I say that, it's like in a conceptual way. And there are forms and schools of Buddhism that will tell you that you have to have a certain understanding of the conceptual framework and under, in order to liberate yourself or to, to attain realization. And um, this is an area where I have to give my teacher the benefit of the doubt because I don't know what that is, but he says over and over and over again, study, but you don't need to understand. So I'm just thinking that if you begin to think that a concept is a truth or a particular way of working with something is the truth, then that's kind of where we get caught. And I've not seen Sokuzan hold on to a reference point in that way that it, it can shift so quickly. Um, so I guess that's what I'm saying is, is you're not going to be able to understand it in the sense of it's not going to solidify as this is it. Otherwise, it would just be a matter of a textbook and you could go into tremendous debt to get your college degree and then you'd have it. You'd have that degree in, in Nirvana. Jake? Jake Boeing, um, it's kind of a fuzzy question. In the meditation primer reading tonight, Sokuzan wrote about observing the textures, but he also said almost take a scientific approach like forensics. Um, but I feel like that's where I go overboard and I start, I survey the scene and I start bagging the evidence. I catalog, I, I, I label everything and I start cataloging it. So, when does that start to fade away into just observation rather than all that meddling, <laughs> bowing? <laughs> I don't know. Probably next week. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. <laughs> I don't know, but I wouldn't be in a, in a hurry to abandon that. And again, working with the teachers where it's important that you see that you're doing that, you see that it's not particularly helpful, you see that you continue to do it, but to exert too much force on that is also not helpful. So we might have to watch that for a while. And you know, you have a background in science. Um, so the first step of the scientific method is ask a question. And so Gazan's question is, what is this? So it's like the scientific method in one step. You never leave the first step. You just ask the question, what is this? And it's not necessary to get an answer. Um, so it's, it's like science. It's just easier because you don't have to get the right answer. 
Another question from Isaac. What does taking refuge in the Sangha look like? Um, I think it, it can show up pretty individually and it seems like it, it grows or maybe not grows, but changes over time. And I think the way it starts out is just interacting with the Sangha around the material. It's not necessarily creating all these social connections of, hey, do you want to go for a beer? You want to go for a hike? Let's hang out and be friends. Um, sangha is book study, looking at material together with other practitioners, and it seems helpful when it's practitioners that have a similar practice. Um, showing up to forms, you know, when you come onto Zoom or YouTube and you, and you practice meditation with us or you chant with us, that's relating to Sangha, and it doesn't have to, again, make the exact sense like, oh, yeah, I see why this is helpful to practice. We do it over and over again. And I, I would encourage that for those of you that are able to join us on Zoom uh, to do that. You know, it's there's still a little bit of a barrier here, but at least there's some intimacy with being able to, to, to look at one another and ask your questions directly. And then you're kind of on the spot where you can't be in the bathtub, you know, listening to the Dharma talk. So it helps it helps provide a little structure for you that the Dharma talk's not background noise, that Sokazan's not just a voice over the you know sizzling of the bacon or you know over the vacuum that I'm gonna I'm gonna step into this form and relate to others as we relate to the teachings. It gets a lot harder than that, but that's like a starter a starting point. Then you move into a monastery and then you realize not only do you not want to have a beer with these people, but <laughs> you you want to go back in a solitary retreat. <laughs> that's not that's not true. It's not always true. <laughs> Got a few more minutes. Snishikai. Snishikai. How is the intention to observe supported? Could you say a little bit more about that? I think I'm just curious about the intention to observe. Are there different strengths to it? Where does it come from? I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's supported by a, a few things. The one is when the teacher doesn't give you that reference point to hold on to, when you present your, your mind and, and what's going on to the teacher, it's it's sometimes disappointing how rarely they take your side. Um, so you have to keep looking at that because you're not given that immediate reassurance. And other times you are, and that may be really helpful to, to keep you going. And then the practice of meditation is similar. You just don't get that reassurance. One meditation session you might because you have good feelings, but the repeated coming back to the cushion, you have to continue to observe because you're not nothing's staying consistent enough for you to get a foothold and i think again it's why it needs to be done for for years and decades to see not only is there not a foothold but you don't particularly need a foothold you can actually just be in that that space as it as it changes and as it arises and falls a little bit of a story, but for like a householder, for example, who might only be able to meditate a half hour a 
a day or something like that and feel like they need to increase their intention to follow the path? How does that occur? I think that it, it can occur in several ways with the, the support of a teacher. The teacher can say, yes, maybe you could sit an hour a day or, or move that up. It also occurs with the monastery here that um, so many of you have been to the monastery to take yourself out of that and really sink down into practice. So we do the best we can. And it's important that we don't hold up anyone as a particular standard. Well, I don't sit as much as Nishikai or I don't sit as much as Kiyun or I, I can't sit in full lotus or I can't do this or can't do that, but that we use it for a support to say, I'm going to work on this as it shows up for me and I'm going to use these forms to try to support me in, uh, in getting to the practice. Have time for a final question this evening, if there is one. Sokaran. Sokaran bowing. Is it more difficult to work with people who don't train their mind? Bowing. It's a really good question. Um, When I look at that and I look at Sokazan's teaching of things mirroring ourselves, that everyone we relate to is an opportunity to relate to our own mind. So relatively speaking, yes, the people that aren't training their mind, we may get exasperated how much they try to press their agenda or they buy into their opinions or they think they know what you're doing. So in a relative sense, it's frustrating, but it may not be frustrating for the reasons we think it's frustrating. It's not necessarily because they're doing something wrong, but because of we're using our practice as a standard. So I think just trying to be kind. And at the same time, as Sokazan says, if it's somebody that's really difficult, you know, give them five minutes, give them your full attention for the five minutes and then excuse yourself. Um, yeah, relatively speaking, that's why we have a monastery. It is a little bit easier to relate to other practitioners, especially when they're respecting you, which happens a lot here. People respecting your intelligence, respecting your practice, not trying to get you to do something else. So before we close this evening, before I do that, Sokran, was there any more on that? No, thank you. Thank you. Um, before we close this evening, I know some of you joined late, and I just wanted to say again that Sokazan is doing well. He had a heart catheterization today, and they um, asked to just keep him overnight for observation, but he, he's doing well and will be back um, with us tomorrow. And thank for open heart meditation. And um, I wanted to offer something before we close that a group of his students put together, which is a supplication for the long life of Kyo and Sokuzan. Um, just a prayer for his health, longevity, and well-being. Namo to Kobenchino Roshi in the Soto Zen lineage, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche in the Karmakagyu lineage, the order of immediate light, Queen Srimala and the mothers of wisdom, all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, ancestors and heirs, and the masters of the three times, 
You are the Vajra-like awareness manifest for all beings as a mountain, as the Garuda, outrageous and inscrutable. May that mountain, patient and immovable, be a platform for Buddha activity to flourish in all direction and time. Please remain so that we may awaken into true devotion and fulfill our vow to liberate all sentient beings. Om Ah Hum Vajra Guru Padma Siddhi Hum. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your support. And we will dedicate the merit. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.